Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Running Through My Veins podcast. On this episode of the podcast, I have a very fun guest on. I reached out to her um, a few weeks ago, actually probably a month ago, and she got back to me while I was on vacation here a couple weeks ago, and she was really excited to have a conversation with me, so we got things going, um, and it finally worked out that I was able to talk to her this past Saturday morning, and it was such a fun conversation. Um, we got to talk about um, health and fitness a little bit, we got to talk about her nomadic lifestyle, and all the adventures she has with that, we got to talk about um, her time on the Meat Eater podcast, and um, teacup holding a gun, you'll have to listen closely to that, and it was just such a fun conversation, um, she is such a wonderful human being, um, very free-spirited, um, definitely has a lot of fun, um, she travels around the country in her Toyota 4Runner with a 18-foot travel trailer that she pulls behind it, and it was, yeah, just so much fun to talk to her, um, very envious of her lifestyle, pretty much, um, on the road, um, most of the time out of the year and has very little connection via phone or anything like that. So she's pretty much off the grid and I discuss how I have a horrible habit of being on my phone, and my wife would be the first one to tell you that too. Um, something that I'm trying to break. Um, we all have our habits, and mine is scrolling through, through a phone. Not not the proudest thing I'm proud of, but um, yeah. Anyway, without further ado, here's my guest, Taylor Thorne. I'm welcome, Taylor Thorne. If if that's still your last name, are you keeping your last name yet? I actually will be changing it. So it's going to be Abney, uh, Abney. which is hard because, of course, like my LLC, my business, my social media yeah. is all branded as Taylor Thorne. But personally, I find it important when you get married to share the last name yeah. so that you're yeah, one cohesive sure. family unit. Um, exactly. <clears throat> and actually, legally, my last name is hyphenated. So for the 31 years of my life, I've been like hating the hyphen of my name. So I'm kind of excited to be able to get rid of that. Well, I welcome you to the Running Through My Veins podcast. Um, I think you're the fourth female I've had on. It seems like I've had a pretty decent balance of female and male on the podcast. Um, the One of the things I do bef- uh, just to get us going, since it's in the morning, um, is called blood flow questions. So Ooh. these are just random questions um, off the top of your head just to get the gray matter in our, in our brains woken up. And so we can have a great conversation. So this one's actually probably a little bit more difficult (laughs) as a blood flow question, but what new skill would you like to learn this year? What new skill? Oh gosh. Um, all the things. So (laughs) (laughs) as you know, I like to adventure. So any sort of, uh, I guess, adrenaline junkie activity. But I, one thing that I think is huge is I want to earn my AFF for skydiving. I started skydiving this last year and I've done, uh, I've done four tandems, but I really want to get my AFF to, to go solo. Oh, that'd be awesome. That's right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I used to have a 
huge amount of fear of heights. And then I started working construction. I quickly got over that because I was on roofs all the time. Um, and that's actually on one of my bucket list items is to skydive. That'd be cool. You know, what's funny with skydiving is um, I've had a lot of people tell me that they're afraid of heights and they try skydiving, but it is actually ironically something that people who are afraid of heights tend to have an easier time with because when you're in the plane, when you look down, you're, the plane is moving and you're disconnected from the ground. It's not like base jumping where you're mm -hmm. staring at the ground and then you're just leaping off. You almost get sucked out of the plane and everything around you almost seems so surreal that yep. it's not, <clears throat> it's not the same as standing on a ladder or on top of a, a roof. Your Iowa came out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <Your roof. laughs> so I think you probably do good with it. Yep, definitely my Iowa came out there. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> um, what is your favorite book? Oh, gosh. Um, so I do I actually do a ton of reading, which is a massive issue when you live in a camper because books are heavy. Mm -hmm. So I have probably like 50 books. Uh, to choose one is very difficult, but uh, one that I actually recommend to a lot of men is by uh, John Eldridge. Um, and uh, it's... Why am I drawing a blank on it? Sorry, this is why. Wild at heart. <laughs> Wild at heart. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, you should probably yeah. know it. So that is uh, probably one of my more favorite books because um, I think that it it covers a lot of really good things. Even if you're not uh, a religious person, just you could relate to it. And mm -hmm. it digs into a lot of things I think people have uh, problems with when you're growing up. And uh, his wife, I've been reading uh, her book called Captivating, which is the female mm. version. Yep. And that has been extraordinarily helpful. I loved Wild at Heart because, as you know, I'm into uh, a lot of male-dominated sports. So mm -hmm. I personally find myself uh, to be a little bit more masculine than your average female. So I relate a lot to guys in that regard. Sure. But it's something everyone should pick up. And for those of you who are listening who aren't familiar with it, um, it's called like the guide to... Um, what is it? The guy to the man, male soul. Yep. Um, and it just kind of goes through a lot of uh, developmental things and uh, issues that, that people have when they're kind of going through life. Yeah. That's in my, that's in my top five. As, nice. Yeah. It's one of my favorite. Yeah. In my top five for books. Um, what's your favorite exercise? Like a uh, type of exercising or like yeah. actual workout routine. <laughs> so Let's just say like, yeah, exercise specific, like uh, squats, deadlifts, something like, you know, I don't know if you do that, but um, yeah, something like that. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, I would say my go-to definitely would be something upper body related, um, which would be like pull-ups or push-ups, something along those lines. Because mm -hmm. uh, I mean, a lot of women, I feel like focus on lower body and uh, yep. I really pride myself on having good upper body strength and pull-ups just look cool. Yeah, they do. Yeah, I have a, I have a pull-up, I have a, I have a pull-up bar in my garage. Um, unfortunately, yeah, I, I don't know if you've listened to any of the past podcasts of mine. If not, I don't blame you. Um, I, this past two years has really been like a difficult part of my life. Um, so like four years ago, I lost over a hundred pounds and was in like top shape for myself. Um, I ran a couple of half marathons. Um, I was very into, yeah, working out. I didn't do a whole lot of weightlifting. It was just more like body weights, um, pulling up and pulls up, pull up, push ups, that sort of stuff. Um, boxing I was doing 
nothing serious. I just have a heavyweight bag in my garage. Um, but yeah, the past two years has been really not so much with COVID. It's just been, I've had other life issues happen. So, um, I've actually gained all the, all the weight back that I, that I lost over the past four years. Um, and so I'm slowly trying to work into getting back to being where I was before. So I'm always curious because that's where, how kind of this podcast started originally was I was going to, um, I was going to talk about health and wellness because that's what I was ingrained into. And then it slowly transitioned into, um, more of the Christian space of, uh, finding your purpose and that sort of thing. Anyway, yeah. that was a rabbit hole. No, no, I, hole. I love, I love rabbit holes. And, um, I actually just made a, it's funny cause I think yesterday I literally just made a post on my social media. Um, you might've, uh, missed it, but it doesn't matter. Cause for those of you that are listening, um, about two and a half years ago, I started my health journey. Um, I'm five feet tall on my license, so it might be a mild <laughs> <laughs> And I lost 25 pounds, uh, which is when you think that's, of it percentage wise, yeah, that's pretty big for you. Yeah, it might be somewhat equivalent to uh, what you had done. And it is, you know, it just basically in what my advice is, is, is small steps. Cause I don't believe in dieting. Um, I don't like the word diet per se. And no, I don't it, either. <clears throat> it just started off with like, I literally remember being in the grocery store and holding up like two bags of chips. And one was like Lay's potato chips and the other one was tortilla chips. And mm-hmm. in my head, I rationalized, well, tortilla chips are healthier. So <laughs> let's go with that. And it yeah. was those very small substitutions and growing up in Texas and my grandma was from Louisiana. So we had very like calor- caloric filled mm-hmm. food. Yep. Um, so that's what I grew up with. And and that's what my palate was used to, but slowly substituting the things that weren't as healthy with things that were a little bit healthier. And then you just kind of work up the ladder. And eventually I got to the point where everything I ate was clean, which is just whole foods, of course. Yep. And, um, and it's crazy how your palate does does adjust, uh, yeah. but you have to do everything in, in moderation and working out, same thing. I was a varsity athlete in high school, and I thought I knew how to work out, but uh, I hired a personal trainer, and then I learned that my form was not the best because um, mm-hmm. I was just pushing for weight in high school. So stepping back and actually uh, dropping the weight but doing much better form uh, really helped to, to kick everything into, into gear and to actually have very productive workouts. Yeah. So it's it's tough, and I'm super proud of you for what you've done. And the thing is that the body remembers. So if you get yeah. back on that bandwagon, like have no, no uh, worry that you won't get back to where you were. <laughs> Thanks. So I'm this, so I'm going to kind of flow out of blood flow. There might be another blood flow question within this, but um, I'm kind of curious. You mentioned you grew up in Texas, Louisiana area. Um, kind of give me your backstory. Like uh, where'd you grow up? Where'd you grow up? Um, what initially you wanted to do out of high school? Um, that sort of thing. And then, cause I've listened to podcasts with you on it. So I, I kind of know, but I'm sure my listeners don't know. So I just kind of want to get that. And then I have some other questions that some other podcasts you've been on haven't been, haven't asked you that are more pertaining to my podcast. So yeah, 
No, I'm ex- I'm excited for that. And it's funny too because on uh different podcasts sometimes everyone has a different approach. Uh some podcasters will not listen to their guest previous podcasts because they mm-hmm. don't want any sort of like preconceived notions and others are like I'm going to do my research. So it's always super interesting yeah, I, to hear how people approach it. So I'm really part-time in the podcasting space like I might get one out every month or so. Um it was a real big passion project, and then uh, it turned into life gets busy with two kids and, and a wife that has her own business as well. So the time to do it, I don't get it done as much. And finding guests is a difficult thing, too, as well. Um, so I'm very grateful that you're willing to, to talk to me today. Um, oh, of course. Yeah, so I, I fall into kind of both categories. Like I found myself like I like listening to the past podcasts that people have been on. Cause it just gives me a starting place. But then I also like midway through doing the podcast with them. I'm like, crap, I'm asking the same questions that was asked on the previous podcast that they've been on. And they're probably just like, Oh, this guy's just not regurgitating new, just regurgitating new information. So I would never think that. Great. So (laughs) I would never think that. (laughs) So it's like anytime you meet someone new, like there's normal questions, like in real life, if you're on the street that you just ask people. And so with a podcast, why wouldn't you ask similar questions? Maybe. Right. Yeah. But to answer your question, so uh, born, raised in Houston, Texas, Uh, I was 13. My mom married Yankee and moved us up to New Hampshire. Uh, So it was in New Hampshire up until about a year and a half ago when I had a lot of major life changes in my life. Mm -hmm. And uh, that set me on the road to basically quit my corporate job. I used to work uh, for Salesforce, which is a big tech, one of the world's biggest technology companies. I was working in uh, like Burlington, Boston, Massachusetts. Again, very corporate, um, you know, high tech. And now I'm literally like a gypsy that lives in a camper um, and takes baths in riverbeds. Like, (laughs) so in the last year, I've been over 45,000 miles on like coast to coast, border to border, each corner of the country. So I've been all over. But Iowa is one of the few places I have not been. I haven't done a a mid-country passage. Uh, You should. It's nothing but cornfields but it's wide open space it's i i love iowa um even though i was growing up that's kind of biased to say but i love iowa um i feel like especially where i live i feel just like it's everybody knows everybody which it can be a good and a bad thing but it's just mm-hmm. so welcoming like anybody can come in and it's not like you're going to get kicked out of where you're from you know it's it i love it I mean, the thing that I've learned is is just that, um, like, everywhere that you could go anywhere and find something beautiful is Mm -hmm. is really what I've learned. You just have to know how to look for it, and you have to have the urge to look for it. Because there's states that I've been to that I have low expectations, and like, oh, you know, it's... I'm not going to like anything there or it's known for kind of not being pretty, but if mm-hmm. you look like that, the beauty is, is there. It's like uh, even Kansas. So I just went through Kansas for the first time and obviously they have, Kansas has a reputation for being flat and boring and everything mm-hmm. else. Um, but what's interesting about Kansas is I have a couple of friends there is it is one of the states with the highest resident return rate, meaning people who move out of state move back. Mm-hmm. Um, it has one of the highest return rates and it actually has like beautiful uh, like lime rock 
rolling hills and um, just all, all sorts of really cool stuff I, I think you could find if you look for it. But mm-hmm. if you just want to categorize a state like Iowa or Kansas or any of those other ones and put it in a box and not try to find the beauty in it, then that that's on you. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we're about the same age. You said you're 31. Mm-hmm. I'm th- I just turned 30 in March. So what, big, what? Three, big three. Oh yeah. And Last I definitely, fe- I definitely feel it. Like we, so we went, we we're on vacation a couple weeks ago. We're actually in Ohio and Kentucky. Um, we we're moving my sister and traveling for 12 hours. I'm like, Oh my gosh, my back. Like I feel it more now than I have before. And everyone's like, Oh, you start feeling it when you're 30. I'm like, no, nah, that's not possible. Yep. Now I feel it. But anyway, so you moved from what I'm curious about is you grew up in Texas. Was it difficult moving from Texas to New Hampshire? Like, did you yeah. have like an accent? And when you got up to New Hampshire, like everybody was wondering where you're from. It, it was definitely, uh, it, it <clears throat> absolutely shaped me as a human being. Cause you are moving from a state like Texas that has like a really deep, rich, unique culture. And they're Mm -hmm. also very proud. So when you are born in Texas uh, and raised there, that is a state that they don't let you go. You're (laughs) always a Texan. And if you like, I've gone back uh, to Texas and I've kind of told them like, you know what? I mean, this isn't necessarily the best state in the union. And they're like, oh my God, you traitor. And I'm like, okay, guys, (laughs) like, (laughs) you know, and it's just funny. And then you go to New Hampshire, which is like fairly unknown. Um, Mm -hmm. Traveling out West, having New Hampshire plates, people are like, where the hell is that? I'm like, we're one of the original 13. We're older than all the rest of you. (laughs) But so going from a very known state, like everyone in the world knows what Texas is to a state that no one knows. Um, And it was just funny because growing up in Houston, it's a major, like it is the fourth largest city in the country. And landmass wise, it is the largest city. Houston is the size of Rhode Island. Uh, So I grew up in the inner loop. I was uh, actually the only white girl in my elementary school. Um, so I was the minority, everyone else was Hispanic and, uh, I've had a very diverse history, uh, lived in president Bush's, uh, neighborhood for a while. We had, um, it was in a high rise with bellboys and then, you know, stuff happened, uh, where, you know, we basically had to move out of there. And, uh, then I moved to the Vietnamese ghetto where our grocery store got bombed. So, so there's a a lot of different things that happened in my childhood in in Houston. And then we moved to New Hampshire, which is very rural. I think their biggest city is Manchester, New Hampshire. Um, the entire state has a population of 1 million where Mm -hmm. Houston has the population of 4 million. Right. And so I moved to New Hampshire and they're making fun of me in school. Like, oh, you were roaming with the cows and you're a big Texas country girl. And I'm looking at them like, are y'all serious? (laughs) (laughs) Like farm animals are illegal where I came from. I lived in this city. and They're just stereo, you know, typing it. And um, I actually never really had a thick Southern accent because uh, my mom used to own um, an international modeling agency. And back in the 80s during her heyday. Uh, if you had a Southern accent, honestly, people thought you were stupid, right? Mm, so yep. she raised me uh, to have a sort of a non-denominational accent, which sometimes I've been sad about because I wish I had that super sweet Southern belle, but yeah. it comes out. So anytime 
I hang out with people, if they have an accent, I pick up on it. So if we talk for a long time, I'm going to start saying roofs and roofs. whatever else I, I wouldn't say. Frick. I just I just tend to adapt whatever accent I'm, I'm around. Sure. Yeah. Um, how do you say? So I say crick. Do you say creek? I say creek, but if I again am and you know if I we hang out long enough, I'll, I'll start I'll start talking about creeks. Yep, yeah. yeah. we we definitely have our own language up here too. It's funny. <laughs> we had a, um, my one of our friends from West Virginia when when my wife and I got married, she came up here to visit for our wedding, and she goes, "You guys talk really weird, like you." She goes, "You say your O's very O like." She goes, you're from, she goes, I'm up because she was on a phone call and she goes, oh, I'm up here in Iowa. And I'm like, you mean Iowa? I-O-W-A? Yep. So That's I get funny. it. I get it. Um, so you moved to New Hampshire. How, how, okay. So you're in your corporate job. How in the world did you get from corporate into competitive shooting? Ah, um, well, so that really started um, as a career. I had been doing competitive shooting for a while. So the career change of going from a corporate uh, technology person, I used to work in e-commerce to becoming a professional shooter really came from uh, just feeling like I was living two different lives. So Salesforce is, first of all, an excellent company to work for. So I I'm not going to smack talk them in that way. They took really good care of us, but they are based in San Francisco and I was working in Massachusetts. So California is obviously known for being super anti-gun and Massachusetts actually has worse gun laws than California. A lot of people don't know that and they are super anti-gun. So I was working for, and to boot, uh, three months after I started working for Salesforce, they announced that they were not for their e-commerce product. Uh, renewing any contracts with companies that sold firearms through our website platform. And we were not going to pursue any new contracts with companies that sold firearms. So that directly opposed what I do outside of work, which was Mm -hmm. competitive shooting. That's what I I did on the weekends. I practiced during the week and I found it really hard to, you know, I just couldn't talk about what I did outside of work in work. And when you live like that, it just, maybe some people are good with it, but for me, um, I just like to be open about everything. Right. And I don't necessarily like to segregate work and personal life. I like everything just to be cohesive and a flow together. Mm -hmm. That's, me. So I had already started thinking about uh, transitioning into the firearms industry. And I started uh, actually, I could say interviewing friends, but uh, (laughs) having lunches and dinners with friends that worked in the firearms industry and just asking them the questions of, you know, what is it really like? And what should I think about? What should I know? And uh, because it was something that I really, you know, who doesn't want to work in the industry that they are passionate about, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you are, let's say a, you know, road cyclist and you're like, oh man, I would love to be in the bicycle industry. Like, I don't know. I think everyone wants to do something that they're passionate about. Yep. And uh, what was crazy is I was talking with uh, one of my friends who is a, you know, professional shooter um, and asking him all of these questions. And uh, the day after I spoke with him is when I found out that my brother uh, had passed away. Um, And so after that, um, I mean, the decision was made. I'm like, I, life is too short. I'm not going to continue like this. Like I'm not, you know, screw it. I don't care. And it was worth it to me to 
it, the risk of not pursuing my passion was greater than the risk of living the life that I was currently in and not being mm-hmm. happy. Sure. If that makes, if yep. that makes sense. Makes total sense. Um, I first heard you on the Mediator podcast um, with Steve Ranella. Um, and the one thing I took away, there's several things I took away from that. Um, first of all, I love Steve, like just listening to him. He's got an incredible, an incredible voice and just able to just flow and just his, uh, the way he gets off topic too is, is quite, quite something. Um, but <laughs> the thing I took away that now every time, like when I get a chance to watch a movie or anything is, um, you talked about guys holding, they were holding the pistol like a teacup. Yeah. So, so <laughs> yes. I, I, you know, since you're in the nomadic, um, lifestyle, I don't know if you get to watch a whole lot of television, um, at, which is a, a great thing. Um, but there's a show Yellowstone. You've maybe probably heard of it. Um, it's hmm. relatively I don't know new. that I have. It's relatively I've been to the park, new. but I don't know the show. <laughs> <laughs> it's with Kevin Costner. Anyway, there's a scene, oh, there's a scene, there's a scene in, in the show and every time I've seen it, I've thought of you in that, in that, in that mediator episode is because, uh, it's this former Navy SEAL is teaching this rich guy how to, how to shoot a pistol. And he has him holding his hand underneath his other hand. And I'm like, Oh, how terrible. What an an idiot. What an idiot. Why? Idiot. Why would you do that? And that now people are going to watch that and they're going to think that's how they should do it. Now I have to go back and recorrect all this wronging that Hollywood is doing. (laughs) And I'm not a professional shooter by any means, but I do know how to properly hold a pistol. And that was like, really? Really, you have to have that? Like, And it was prominent. Like, They literally had it like this towards the screen. And I'm like, oh my gosh. I'm sure every gun enthusiast is like, that is wrong. Why did losing, you do that? Losing your yeah. mind. Yeah. So for those of you that are listening um, that aren't firearm enthusiasts, uh, the teacup and saucer technique is, you know, when you're shooting a gun, you have one hand that is cupped almost underneath the you know, the grip of the firearm. And then the other one is, you know, obviously holding it like normal. That's your, your strong hand is, is the one that pulls the trigger uh, where the proper technique is to actually kind of hold it like a, like a golf club, you know, where you line your thumbs up with a golf club. Yep. Uh, so you actually want to bring your hands together and meet as much surface area on the firearm, because when you cup it, like uh, that old FBI grip, uh, that support hand is not able to really do a lot. Cause it's literally just kind of hanging out on the bottom of the firearm and, I don't know. It's just it. Anyways, I mean, I'm sure that there's people out there who could shoot very professionally like that, but uh, that's actually not how we really do it. <laughs> no, no, not one bit. And I don't get to shoot as often as I was, as I like to. Um, and just with finances too. I mean, it is expensive right now to to shoot. Um, I know, I know. Yeah, it, it with ammo costs and everything. Yeah. It is uh it's certainly difficult for sure but i mean and you just our, have to you can do a lot of dry fire yep. um, and there's plenty of uh low round count drills that you could do as well so there there are definitely yep. uh options but i understand that it is more difficult for sure yeah and our the closest gun range that i have um is outside which is cool but um 
since we have so many farms so close together, um, they, they create like this big berm, which is normal, but then they have a shoot through, um, like cement tiles, like hmm. like culverts. I don't know if you're familiar with the term culverts. Is it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So they have a shoot through that, so you don't raise your gun high enough to have it go over the berm. It's a safety thing, but it is very loud and it's very inconvenient to shoot, to shoot through that because you don't have a a sight, a sight picture beyond the culvert. Anyway, another That's rabbit hole that just went down. Yeah. Yeah, it's all um, good. No, it's interesting. So. What I'm curious about that I haven't heard on other podcasts, and you mentioned that you one of your favorite books is Wild at Heart, John Eldridge, and obviously that's comes from the Christian space. Um, is are you a Christian? I am not. Um, I'm. I would consider myself agnostic. Uh, sure. So I believe that there is a you know, something greater out there than mm-hmm. ourselves. And I believe that there, there is a guiding force, but I don't necessarily believe that it is, you know, God or Jesus or Buddha or whoever. Sure. Um, you know, I've actually, my religious journey has actually been kind of interesting because um, I mean, like, I'm, I'm sure, you know, Lakewood church uh, mm-hmm. with uh, Joel Alstein. So that's in Houston. So I've been there. Uh, and yep. I will say that is a, it's an incredible place. Um, if you haven't been, uh, it is like they stop, they, all the stop sign, like lights within 10 blocks diameter around the place, the cops every Sunday have to come and change it all to green. So people could go to church really? and, yeah. um, yeah, and if uh, financially um, you have issues, like maybe you don't have a car or whatever, they actually will help pay for a shuttle to pick you up to bring you there, which is really cool. And the space itself is um, <clears throat> in New Hampshire. We have something called uh, it. Well, they probably just changed the name of it, but I think it's called uh, like Minute Maid Field. But it's it's basically it's the big hockey rink. It's our biggest stadium. It's bigger mm-hmm. than that. I mean, the place is massive, but even not. So that was my aunt and uncle. My parents are not religious per se, but my aunt and uncle brought me there. So not being raised religious and going to Lakewood Church, I will say that there is an energy there um, that you feel. And it's it's very emotional. Um, and when you go into spaces where there's a lot of people of belief, um, you, you feel that. Um, and mm-hmm. so, I mean, again, I've tried to, I don't like just accepting what other people say. So I've, mm-hmm. you know, read parts of the Bible myself, kind of get through the Old Testament. Um, after all of this goat and sheep sacrifices, I got kind of turned off. <laughs> <laughs> Tell you the truth, it was a little bit too much brimstone and fire yeah. for me. Yeah. Um, I've gotten through some of uh, the New Testament and obviously Jesus is much more about love. Uh, mm-hmm. so, that, so that's great. But at the same time, I mean, I've read stuff on um, like Buddhism, and um, all sorts of different religions. And overall, I, I think that there is a greater guiding force and uh, whatever religion you select, I mean, there's something to it. I do believe that prayer works because anytime you have groups of people with that are putting energy into something, that, that energy can convert. So mm-hmm. whether if you want to call it prayer or call it another word, I it, it absolutely think that there's something to it for sure. Oh, I respect that. You know, um, I wasn't sure. So when I reached out to you to, to come on this, I was like, Oh, that's kind of cool that, you know, cause I kind of peruse people's Instagram profiles just to see if there is any 
religious aspects or anything like that, just so I get it like a sense of it. Um, and I'm not against having non-religious people on. Like I have a good friend that I had on um, earlier that's going through his own faith journey and was raised Christian and was in the church. And now he's not quite sure. And we talked about that. And, you know, I'm not on here to try to convert anybody to Christian. Um, I'm just more of, you know, putting it out there that, uh, you know, we do have a greater sense of purpose, what just whether or not it's going through life or not. Um, and mm-hmm. I do think we're, we're put on this earth for a reason. Like none of us are a mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and, and that's basically all I'm trying to do is, you know, yeah, I am trying to show people God's love, um, Jesus's love and Jesus is here for everybody. And that we do have a purpose of, um, advancing his kingdom if, if that's what you choose to do. But I also want people to just find joy in life. Um, and hoping listening to my podcast or whoever else's, um, does that, you know, I want, I want people, I want people to be happy in life. Um, cause for the longest time I wasn't happy in life. And that's when I started this podcast, I was happy. And, um, that's the whole, that's the whole point of it. It is, you know, just to, to spread love and to just enjoy life. Um, and find a and find a purpose in life rather than just going through the day to day and not finding and enjoying that. Absolutely. So. I mean, I I love talking about it. again, even though I'm not necessarily religious myself. Um, I love having conversations with people from from all backgrounds because at the end of the day, we're all human beings, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. whether I mean, you could be an atheist you still need purpose in your life. They just find purpose through other means. Okay. So again, if I don't care what religion you are, I truly believe that um, people need a sense of community. And I love religion for the fact that it does bring people together, which is why like during COVID, I was really upset that they were shutting down churches. I think that's crazy because you are disrupting that, that sense of community. And the, if you're going to a good church, the, no, again, it doesn't matter if it's Christian, Catholicism, whatever. Um, the goal is having that sense of community, people that have the same set of moral and beliefs and bringing them together. And there's there's nothing wrong with that. No. So whether if you think it's through Jesus or something else, um, I mean, it's it's all it's all good vibes. It's all love. And yeah. like you said, it's about spreading the joy and whatever way you do that, that's, that's fine. As long as you are being a good human being at the end of the day. <laughs> yep, exactly. Yep. Cause there are bad Christians. I mean, oh, hell yeah. I mean, there's, there's people that, yeah. I, and religion gets a bad rap too. You know, you, sure. you have the over religious and, and everything like that. And yeah, I've said there, and I'm not, I, I'm not the most perfect Christian either. Like I have my own flaws as a human being and just like everyone else does. And I'm not here to, to preach my own, my own message. I just want everybody to enjoy life and, and have fun. So. Yeah. And I mean, since what's interesting is like, since being on the road, I will say that um, I've had actually, I would say Christianity specifically, I've had a lot of people, um, how do you, how do you put it? Uh, they almost give, have given me a guiding hand with it. Sure. So to give you an example, and one of my, my best friend's mom, I call her my second mom. She always laughs and she's like, oh, you know, she's like, God's chasing you. And I'm like, I don't know, Carol. And she's like, he is, he's chasing you. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> if that's what you think. Um, but for just to give you an example, uh, when I went to SHOT Show 
now it's two years ago because last year was COVID. Um, so for those of you that aren't familiar with SHOT Show, it is the world's largest firearm convention and it is industry only. So it's not open to the general public. You do have to work in industry to go to it. It's like sure. the Detroit Auto Show of cars for guns, basically. Mm-hmm. So I go to SHOT Show and I had a, uh, a meeting set up with a uh, women's concealed clothing company called Girls With Guns. And what was interesting is like... Um, we just sat down and we had a, a really, really great conversation and ended up getting personal. Um, I ended up telling one of the owners about uh, my brother uh, who passed away and, and she just starts crying. Cause she's like, Oh my God, like I lost my brother also. And from there, the conversation just got even deeper and we just really connected. And uh, there's two owners. So uh, Jen and, and Narissa. So then at the end, Narissa, uh, you know, said a prayer and it just, uh, gave me absolute goosebumps and we cried and it was just like a super moving experience. And I was like, Oh my God, you should be like a, you know, I don't know, pastor or something. She is, she's like, I'm a youth minister. And I'm like, well, I was like, well, you're really good then. (laughs) You're doing great at your job. And it it was super moving. And I've had a lot of incidences like that. Um, And so in my camper, you, you know, you asked about what's your favorite book. Uh, when I originally moved on the road, uh, the only books I brought with me were actually uh, books that I inherited from my brother's collection. Um, and he was a very eclectic individual. So uh, they're, you know, religion books from all different religions, war books, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, since being on the road, a lot of people have also given me books. So I've been given like three different versions of the Bible. And uh, it's just been really interesting how though how that stuff has reached out to me if that makes sure. sense yep no totally so let's talk about your your nomadic lifestyle mm. I, I am i'm envious and i'm not envious at the same time yeah <laughs> it's not always as glorious as people think it is i'm envious because how do i want to we everyone is so connected that's kind of how i want to say it um I admit, I'll be the first one to admit that not having my phone on me is probably a hard thing and not being connected. It can be a hard thing. Mm-hmm. And I try as hard as I can not to be on this damn thing mm-hmm. and being out. Like when we were emailing back and forth, we're like, yeah, I got to get into town when I have Wi-Fi so that I can email you back and all that. I'm like, that would be so nice just to be out where you don't have service and you don't have to worry about anything buzzing or have the itch to scroll through Instagram or Facebook or wherever you're scrolling. So I'm envious of that. It's a habit I'm trying to break. Um, <laughs> what I'm not envious is about, cause I do have a camp. We have a camper as well. We camp five times in the summer, roughly. And pulling the damn camper is a pain in the ass sometimes. And doing all the maintenance is a pain in the ass sometimes. It can be fun, but it also can be a pain in the ass. So have you found, have you obviously enjoy it? I mean, that's what you've been doing yeah. for yeah, what, close to a year now. I love it. Um, I'm at, I'm at about 15 months now on the road. That's awesome. Yep. That's awesome. So you, do you, where do you set up? So I'm going to get into like that because I'm yeah. very curious, like, do you go to just campsites, um, KOAs, just random spots and just park? How does that work for you? Well, my approach, so when it comes to camping, 
um, as a full-timer, uh, unless you are like a an older retiree, what you'll find is most people within the quote-unquote nomad lifestyle, <clears throat> um, we tend to do a lot of boondocking, which is free camping for those of you that don't know. Um, so in, since I've been on the road, um, I've only actually paid to stay at a campground, I think, three times. Sure. Uh, so most of my camping is actually done on, uh, BLM land, uh, which is just public land, uh, national forest. Uh, I've, I've boondocked about everywhere. I've been in parking lots, trailheads, uh, driveway surfing with friends. You end up getting really creative because the whole, uh, sort of point of this lifestyle is to travel, to have new experiences, and to also have an affordable life, right? Because mm -hmm. if you stayed yep. at a campground every day, even your yep. cheapest campground, and you would know this, is like, let's say 20 bucks a night. Your average campground is actually closer to 40 to 50. Yep. And they go all the way up to $100 a night, depending on how squinky you want to be. Yep. And even at $20 a night, times up by 30 days, I mean, that's like having a rent or a mortgage payment. And yep. I'm all set with that. So by <laughs> boondocking and basically like, and it's very interesting. You are in the middle of the country. So I don't know what your perspective is, but I'm very familiar with East Coast versus West Coast. Uh, people in the West super value public land and they truly believe that this is our country and the land is ours to use. So there is a ton of public land. So boondocking and living for free off the land is really easy. Um, and for those of you that are listening, um, I mean, you could stay up to somewhere up to two weeks. And then after that, you know, you move on to the next place. Um, but out east, it's completely unheard of, right? Mm -hmm. um, so people are just really not familiar with what it's like to, to stay on public land. And it's just a very interesting perspective. Yeah, I'd say we here in Iowa are more of the eastern perspective. We don't have a lot of public land to where you can just do that. Um, right. It's pretty much farmland and everyone has their own land. And then, yeah, the spots that you can stay at are campgrounds. And, well, and go on. Yeah, Sorry. And that's and that's about it. Like the public land we have is, um, it's mostly for like bird hunting, mm. or or um, we'll have we'll have some ponds and lakes and stuff. But that's mostly what it is. It's just real flat prairie. You may have some woods for where you can do some deer hunting, but otherwise it's flat and you can't park on it. Other huh. than for the day use. I mean, it makes, it makes sense. Um, I mean, another cool option, especially whereas you have a camper too, is I have a couple of uh, memberships to different places. Um, so one is called, like you mentioned farms, one's called uh, Harvest Host. And I'm not sponsored by any of these people. I'm just, I'm just saying it because I had to do a lot of research in order to find this kind of stuff. Sure. And yep. if I could save you or someone else some money and give you a better experience and like, what more could I ask for? Yeah. So, <clears throat> uh, harvest host, you pay like an annual membership of $65 and then, or, you know, whatever. Um, I forget what they charge the rates at now. And you could stay at any number of farms, vineyards, um, you know, breweries, all sorts of really cool places. Yeah. And they just ask that when you stay there, you know, maybe if you're like at a dairy farm. So when I was in Pennsylvania, I stayed at a Mennonite dairy farm. Like I bought cheese off them. Right. They just want you to support cool. the business. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. So it's a, 
it's a really cool way to, because um, I hate campgrounds. I, I loathe them. And especially as a, a <laughs> solo female traveler, I loathe them even more. Because if mm-hmm. I wanted to sit in a parking lot and stare at someone else's camper, like I would just stay in a neighborhood, right? Yeah. When I'm camping, I want to be in the woods and the forest and I want to see natural beauty. I have no interest in listening to uh, Billy Bob's kids screaming two campers over or to go swimming in a pool. Like I want to jump in a lake and be in the trees and run around naked if I mm-hmm. want to. Yeah, totally. I understand that. I totally get it. Like, <laughs> I I would love, like, everyone asks me what my, sorry, my wife just tried calling me. Uh, anyway, <laughs> You're uh, good. everyone asks me, like, what my ideal vacation would be, <laughs> and and everyone's like, oh, going to the beach. And I'm like, no, give me mountains and forests anytime over sitting in the sand. Um, Absolutely. So with you have, I know this just because I've looked at your Instagram. You have a Toyota 4Runner. Oh, yes. Which, is, which is cool. Um, and then what type of camper do you have? So it is a uh, 2007 Keystone Outback, and uh, so it's an 18 foot uh, travel trailer. So it's a it's a tag along, and mm-hmm. uh, I will say it is at the max capacity of my Forerunner. Uh, so <laughs> I've done a lot of modifications to my car in order to make sure I'm doing safe towing. Um, <clears throat> but the Outback, I did a um, and what's weird is like a lot of people lately have been asking me, like saying that they want to get into a nomadic lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And I've been getting a lot of questions lately about uh, travel trailers versus vans versus whatever. Um, I decided on a travel trailer just because of the amount of gear that's required for a three gun. Um, it would be very difficult to have done something like a van. And I love off-roading. So getting rid of my forerunner didn't wasn't really of interest. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say that uh, it's been cool. So I, I remodeled it. Um, I actually bought it off Craigslist for four grand. Wow. Um, yeah, <laughs> I mean, it was, it was great. It was basically, and that's the thing is that most people buy campers and they use them maybe a few times and mm-hmm. then they just get rid of them. So you can find really good used campers for cheap. You just have to make sure they didn't have water damage. Yeah. And then, yeah, I remodeled it and it's literally like, I just, uh, what was it? My story yesterday, uh, was of a, a meme of, uh, I don't know if you remember that scene from Shrek where donkey walks up to shrek and he's like oh this is your home this is where you live there's a there's a boulder here and that's how i feel like with my camper and then people go inside and they're like oh this is way nicer than i thought it was gonna be and i'm like yeah like it's it's like having it it's a small house like it's a really cool place (laughs) that's awesome um so when you when you park um since you're by yourself do you have any like safety precautions that you that you do is I'm assuming, no offense, but like you know, you're a female. I'm not saying anything bad. About it's all that. good. I'm not offended. Like the, <laughs> you you, like, you could call the kettle black. But you, do you get kind of get where I'm getting at? Because I mean, if someone was to see you just by yourself, like even though you have guns and everything, like there can be some suspicious things that can happen. Is what oh, I'm just sure. trying to get at. You know? Do you? I you like, um, I've seen people like put out like an extra chair, um, put out, um, whatever else have I seen like boots. I don't know if you do that or not. Yeah. Uh, so traveling alone, uh, so that's why I don't like campgrounds. 
Okay. Mm -hmm. That's a, that's a huge reason because at a campground, you're sitting in a fishbowl and everyone is just sitting outside of their camper watching what's going on in the neighborhood. So they become very observant of what you're doing. And my first time ever staying at a campground was in Georgia. Um, and I, I pull in, it was a state campground. I pull in and I'm setting everything up. And I was actually open carrying at the time because open carry is is legal in Georgia. Mm -hmm. It was a hot day. And when I'm driving, like I kind of don't care. And at the campground again, um, I don't care about open carrying because in my mind, I'm not as quote unquote in public. So anyways, it doesn't matter. So this guy walks up and he's like, oh, I noticed you're by yourself and you're by yourself and da, 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 da. And that was probably within maybe 15, 20 minutes of me starting to set up. And I'm like, you know what? If he notices, like other people notice. And so since then, that's when I kind of made the decision of, I don't want to stay in campgrounds. Uh, cause even when you put out, like I do, I do the extra chair. Cause I mean, if you have one chair outside, you're almost screaming that you're by yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a pair yeah. of my brother's boots, um, that all set outside. Uh, so I will make all of those precautions. Um, and again, I just stay away from campgrounds. I feel way safer, like tucked into the middle of a national forest than I do at a KOA personally. That's, that's, that's my thing. And, but the other thing too, is most people don't assume that females are by themselves. Right. So the other thing that I've done as well is uh, wearing a fake wedding ring. Now I'm actually married. So (laughs) that's kind of cool. I just for those of you that are listening, I it's a crazy story. I won't go over it unless you ask me to. But uh, I just eloped in Colorado uh, like on the 18th, which I don't know when this podcast is going to air. But that was about two weeks ago. Um, Actually, what day is today? Saturday, almost exactly two weeks ago tomorrow. So. Anyways, um, so I'd wear a fake wedding ring because people pick up on those subconscious cues. And Mm -hmm. again, they assume as a female that you're not alone. And I think the reason why that guy came over is because it's very atypical for women to set up by themselves, Mm -hmm. which I mean, I hate to say that because it's stupid. It's like, why is the man's job to set up the camper and the woman's job to do the interior? But that's what people assume. So, yeah, yeah. So you talked about getting married and that's actually the last question I have because I did see the post about that happening. Um, And it all still, it all ties back to meat eater. Yeah. It's so crazy. So tell us that story. Like how that all happened. Yeah. Um, So uh, I was, you know, basically I've been single for about, a year and a half now, um, since living on the road, really. Mm-hmm. And um, so I went on Meat Eater, had the three gun uh, video that we had posted on Facebook, and it became viral. Uh, so it has over nine and a half million views, which is, first of all, bananas. Uh, mm-hmm. Quick little rabbit hole with that. I remember the week after that uh, video had aired, um, I was looking at my phone and I was scrolling on the video and, you know, I thought it said uh, like a thousand views and I'm like, well, it's doing pretty decent. And yep. then I noticed that it was an M at the end of the one. And I was like, <laughs> one million? I literally, I took a picture of my face and it's just kind of like, <gasps> like shell shocked. I was like, yeah. <laughs> so since then it's, it's, it's just crazy because you don't yeah. think like you know uh so it's hit nine and a half million um and so after that he uh brandon is my husband's name 
he started following me and I, a little over, I think a week after, um, he started following me, I made a Instagram post about climbing and he is an active rock climber. He's uh, red river gorge here in Kentucky is uh, a world destination for rock climbing. So he's been an active climber for 10 years. Mm. That was kind of his quote unquote in, uh, to send sure. me a message yep. and how his message got through. I, I don't know, because to be honest, I get a lot of messages. And uh, there was a point where I felt like if I didn't get DM'd a wedding proposal every week, that I must be doing something wrong on my social media. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. like, oh, I, I haven't had a guy reach out and uh, tell me that he wants to marry me this week. Like, man, I must be sucking on social media. <laughs> like, it sounds silly, but I, I'm telling the truth. Uh, but he just reached out and it was actually, it was a really simple question. And he just asked, have you ever rock climbed? in Kentucky. That was it. And that's a that's an honest question. And I actually yeah. check every single message that comes through my social media. It may not be for weeks, but I mm -hmm. will actually check it and I yeah. will get back to you, which is why it took me a while to get back to you. No, so, I get it. I get it. <laughs> yeah. So, and that's a genuine question. So I just wrote him back and, um, and then our conversation just sort of, um, you know, deepened from there, you know, over days or weeks or whatever. And, um, I, at the time, was actually uh, staying in Miami. Uh, yes, I did find a spot to boondock in Miami. Wow. So that's pretty good. That's how good I am. I'm pretty good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I was boondocking in Miami, and my best friend, who is a, a travel nurse, we meet each other all around the country. So we have a really cool friendship. Uh, she uh, works night shift and uh, to help her out and kind of as like a side job, I was walking her dogs at night. Uh, she was living in Maine when she got this apartment and didn't realize that the apartment she had gotten in Miami was in the ghetto. Um, like she had attempted B&E and it's just a really bad neighborhood. And so I'm going over to her apartment at night, uh, walking the dogs. And uh, he was just kind of like, you know what, like, you know, you want to talk on the phone sometime? I'm like, you know what, I really wouldn't mind that because he's a firefighter. Um, so he works 24 hour shifts. So being awake at, you know, 11, you know, 0100, 0300 is not abnormal for him, but it is abnormal for other people. Yeah. And I really appreciated the company on those walks just to have someone on sure. the other line. Um, as I'm sure you can yeah. understand, even though I'm armed, like with two dogs, uh, it's just, you're a little uncomfortable, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so we started talking on the phone. Uh, and when I knew I was passing through Kentucky, um, like we decided to meet up and go rock climbing. So we met up uh, and a week and a half later, he proposed to me in the back of a fire truck. <laughs> awesome. Uh, and, uh, and then about a month after that, which was now two weeks ago, we met up in Colorado and eloped. Uh, and That's so- awesome. Sometimes I'm just going to say when you know, you know, as soon as we yep. met, like uh, there was just something about our, our relationship and our friendship and everything else that just completely snapped and, and made sense. And sure. um, it's crazy. Like I've, I've had super long-term relationships. Uh, my longest one, I same age as you, 31 was seven years. And yeah, it's like, I've basically after two months of knowing someone, I'm closer, like he's my soulmate. Like you just know. Yep. <laughs> Yep. Yep. Exactly. So are you still going to live the nomadic lifestyle? I think that's going to be, 
the big question for people. Yeah, um, yeah that's a big question. Actually, um, so, and this is why I love him, is he's like you and many other people started following me uh, a lot because of my adventurous lifestyle, because it's mm-hmm. fascinating and it's curious. It and he's yep. like, I, <laughs> it's different. So yeah. he's like, I started following you because of that. And I kind of fell in love with you. Like, he'll tell you that he fell in love with me before he even met me. Um, because So why would he want to change that? You know yeah. what I mean? That's yeah. like looking at a, a beautiful bird flying around in your yard and wanting to put it in a cage in your house. Like, mm-hmm. you appreciated that animal, or I guess I am an animal, uh, <laughs> because of it, how it is. Yeah. Um, and so he has no interest in... Um, Engaging the thing that makes me feel free, and sure. with him being a professional firefighter, it actually works out beautifully. Because with twenty-four hour shifts, um, he's able to, you know, he'll work. Uh, before he came to Colorado, he worked a ninety-six hour shift, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. He, big long hours. But then yep. he was able to take almost a month off. So if he worked a normal nine to five job, it would be very difficult. And he's super excited about having this vacation home that just moves around the country without him having to put much work into moving it. So, (laughs) so he's, he's excited. Uh, Kentucky will be my new home base. Um, Sorry, New Hampshireite people that might be listening. (laughs) (laughs) But Kentucky will be my new home base. Um, So, you know, I'll I'll winter here and, you know, I'm going to be here as, you know, as much as I can to be with my husband, but with my work, I'm, I'm going to continue traveling. And to be honest, it's, uh, it's really good for my soul, uh, to be on the road. Um, and I think that my, my work and my purpose in life is traveling cross country and, and meeting people and hopefully inspiring and changing lives, like just a little at a time. I know that was a long way of answering that, but. No, that's <laughs> awesome. So one of the last questions I have, and I ask everybody this, um, is what's running through your veins. So what that means is like, What's got you excited right now? What's got your hopes up? Um, what are you looking forward to? Um, just, yeah, what's what's running through your veins right now? Uh, well, I mean, of course, being a newlywed, like, yeah. I'm, I'm going to say probably love, right? You yeah. Know? Yeah. So we're definitely uh, in the honeymoon phase, and uh, I don't think that'll ever expire with us. Um, but in, in all seriousness, though, um, I do feel that my greater purpose in life is again, to inspire people, whether if it's to inspire them to to live a nomadic lifestyle. And right now, what I'm kind of focused on is inspiring people to, to find the people that make them feel loved and, and valued. Because um, I know a lot of uh, like awesome single women friends that I have and, um, you know, and a lot of single guys that are just like, you know, when you start getting into your 30s and you're not married, it's like, is this ever going to happen to me? You know, mm-hmm. people start asking those questions like, you know, was it meant for me in this lifetime to to find that that true love? And um, I think like to, to take a page out of Brandon's book, if, you know, you see someone that you're interested in, like, you know, go for it. Stop being a beta male and like, mm-hmm. just do what you can to pursue that. And so we're actually creating a, a joint Instagram account. And my goal with that is to inspire women to be true to themselves and to not sacrifice who they are in their relationships, because I, I've done that a lot. Um, you know, I, I, we didn't discuss cuss words. I think, I don't know if I've cussed, but I've realized in a lot of my past relationships, I've had a lot of mental fuckery. Let's put it that way. Um, so I, I, and people will look at me and be like, oh my gosh, you know, 
they'll give me all these compliments, but at the end of the day, I'm a human being and, you know, and I've been through quite a lot and I think a lot of women just put up with a lot and same thing for guys. Um, and so we hope to inspire people with that and also to promote, uh, adventure loping, which is eloping on an adventure. So our <laughs> wedding cost a thousand dollars. So we took the rest of the money and, and bought a new forerunner instead yeah. of dropping it into a one day party. That's awesome. Yeah. So where can, where can people find you on Instagram? I, you have Instagram. What's that link? Um, I'll put in the show notes too, but where can people find you? What's let's just go through that and then we're done. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, so because of my marriage, I will eventually be changing my Instagram handle. Um, right now it is taylorthorn.adventures. I'm most active on Instagram. Um, it will eventually be changing to Taylor Abney Adventures. Uh, Thankfully, I'm a huge fan of alliteration, so <laughs> the new last name will will work out. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, when that change is going to happen, I'm not quite sure. Um, but I had some other podcasts that air, and um, I just want to make sure that people don't get lost trying to find me. So for sure. your future listeners, you will be able to find me underneath uh, one of two handles. Um, that same handle uh, works for YouTube as as well, um, and awesome. then Facebook, same thing. It's currently it's Taylor Thorne, but it's going to transition to Taylor Abney. Cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on. This was fun. Um, it was. I was really excited when you got back to me. Um, it's not often that that happens, honestly, and it was just really fun to talk to you. Huge fan of yours. Keep doing what Yay. you're doing. I think Thank it's you. awesome. Um, I love seeing the updates and what you're doing. So keep that up. No, oh, thank you for, for reaching out and it was super fun. And again, I mean, I check all my messages and, you know, I feel like when people reach out, like, um, you're a real human being and I'm always interested in knowing other people's lives. And if you're yeah. curious about mine, like, yeah, I sure. Why not? Let's talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, if you're ever in Iowa, hook me, look me up. We'll get you uh, set up with a home cooked meal and yes. have some awesome conversations. Hey, I don't know any other Iowans, so you are numero uno, sir. Awesome. <laughs> I will absolutely awesome. let you know. Yeah. If you're ever in this direction, just let me know. Hundred percent. And, cool. and uh, I was going to say, if you're if you're ever rambling on the road, just let me know where you are. Maybe I'm in your yeah. area. <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool. Awesome. Thanks so much, Taylor. Thank you so much. Yeah. I appreciate it. Have a great day. You too. Thank you. Yep. Bye.